Okay, welcome, welcome. Welcome to this week's Kuden <clears throat> Radio. Tatiana Miller here. Got James back in the wings. That's awesome. So anyway, um, let's see how many people show up for this one because we're going to talk about winning against all fights or winning against or not winning against winning all fights. Right. So there's actually some uh, something to be said in the scrolls about that kind of stuff. Right. But anyway, um, so I got to thinking about this uh, this past week. And um, one of the things that really stood out to me and has stood out for a long, long time. Uh, because we discuss this stuff in our, it's even, there's questions in our curriculum. We're going to discuss some of those, uh, this episode, but too many confuse the willingness to fight with the ability to actually win fights consistently. And there's a lot going on mindset wise, um, belief wise, those kind of things, right? Uh, Takamasense, Hatsumi Sensei's, uh, my teacher's teacher. 33rd generation grandmaster of the Tobacco school and these other eight uh, schools that came along for the ride. Right. Um, he was once quoted as saying that only those who truly have something to lose can understand what it means to be a warrior. Okay. Not a fighter, not uh, whatever. Okay. And um, so we'll talk about that more as well. I've uh, got a whole agenda, uh, what causes conflict, all kinds of things, right? So, yes, I'm going to give you this secret that's buried in the scrolls, but we're going to make sure that there is a whole bunch of eye rolling because it sounds too simple. It sounds like a dumb moment, okay? All right, so we'll do that and um, more when we get back. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, and we're back, right? Uh, I'll be impressed if we have a ton of people showing up for the live one because, well, you know, it's a holiday, Sensei. I mean, you know, don't you take a day off? Hmm, not many. (laughs) Too much to do and too many things to get done before uh, they uh, plant me in the ground or scatter my ashes wherever I, if, if they follow through with what I want, right? Anyway, so... Um, here's the thing, right? We're talking about winning all fights, okay? And there is actually a uh, a secret, right, in one of the scrolls. I believe it's the Tagagi Yoshiyu. That's what I have in my scroll, or in my in my notes, in my scrolls, in my notes. Um, but like I've I've already found after double checking and, and things like that that either I misheard it or somebody else misheard it and passed it on. So. Um, I'm being reminded on a regular basis uh, to validate my information, even if it came from a trusted source. Uh, James, what were we just discussing that in the Sanji Shich Dobon program? Um, one of the one of the last lessons the the Buddha taught uh, as he uh, on his deathbed uh, was to not too much not put too much faith in uh, religious text, in religious teachers, spiritual teachers. Uh, 
people in a positions of authority or whatever. Um, and it's because we're all human, right? I mean, even if a, a text is supposedly supposedly divinely ordained, it was ultimately translated by and written down by humans, right? And I get how we need to believe certain things, and we're going to talk about this little thing here uh, later on uh, in the episode. But uh, the whole idea is you have to work this stuff out for yourself. I mean, it's it's your ride, it's your journey, right? So anyway, I have two sets of notes, and my phone just keeps closing on me because I, I can't share screen and do things this way um, without taking up everything. But, okay, let's start with this word fight, right? Um, what I really want to highlight, really want, what I really want to uh, focus on is that I'm talking about all fights, okay? I know in the martial realm, people tend to think about almost exclusively, they tend to think about um you know, mortal combat, physical fights, okay? But what about relationships? What about other things in life? And I, I don't necessarily mean like fights, like arguments and things like that, although that's it's a big deal. It's a big part of it as well, right? But this is also challenges, struggles, hardships, and whatnot, okay? So for those of you who really need to be, to be talking about fights, I'll, I'll talk about fights, okay? So they're included, okay? But let's not forget that even warriors have to pay bills. It's where the whole dojo uh, concept came from, right? If you check your history, right, it's a relatively new concept, right? Um, warfare, you know, started to wane. How's a warrior get paid between battles or... If there are no more, right, you end up with a hundred years of enforced peace in Japanese society when the Tokugawa shogunate took over. What kind of implications does that bring with it? Okay, so how do these people that have no saleable skills outside of breaking or dismembering or whatever other human bodies, how do they make a living? Okay. Cause again, got to feed yourself. Right. Um, and again, I, I, I think a lot of folks miss a lot of these things because they get caught up in the fantasies, right? It's almost like these warriors wandered around and they went from one fight to another fight, to another fight, to another fight. What about the periods in between? Okay. And what does a hundred years of enforced peace bring? Okay. It's kind of like um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of history. One of my topics is the American Civil, um, yeah, the American Civil War, the uh, the war between the states. Uh, it was more of a Eastern uh, United States kind of thing, but uh, the Battle of Gettysburg, which is Gettysburg, is very very close to where I live, right? Um, we're talking about tens of thousands of soldiers and horses moving into a small, small, tiny town. I mean, if you go there now, it's small, right? But back in the day, we're talking about a population of, what, 1,500 people, okay? Mostly farms. So they move all these people in. They've taken over houses. They've taken over churches. They've taken over everything, Right? Um, and again, when we're studying history, 
People like to to study the battles. Well, that's all great. Right? What else was contextually happening? No running water. You went to wells. You used outhouses. Okay. One of the things that most people never read in the history books or see in uh, movies like uh, Gettysburg and, and, you know, things like that, right, is the fact that historians, people who lived during that time, lived right there, right, described the shit, horse and human, and all the other livestock that was there, right, being knee-deep, which means over the top of their boots, in the backyards, where that's where everybody went to relieve themselves. Okay? So, um, I, w- there are numbers for how many people died on both sides during that day, but you have to look in other areas or in other uh, historical accounts to find out how many people died of bacteria and pestilence and all that kind of <laughs> crap. No pun intended, but there it is, right? For the next year or so, because of all the uh, rotting corpses, again, livestock, horses, human beings, and all that stuff, right, that need to be buried, um, just, right? So, again, when we think about now, – now, that's just one little snapshot, right? But how much do people really think about when it comes to fights? Okay, if you've ever seen uh, any of the comments – and I'm sure you have the comments on some of my YouTube videos, especially the YouTube shorts, right? Oh, they just, they're like a shit magnet for people that know everything, right? Who want to tell you that everybody knows how to fight. Everybody knows that it's done this way. Everybody, everybody knows, everybody knows, everybody knows, right? What is it that you know about fights, right? I've had people call me out on uh, things that absolutely work and work consistently, right? Uh, or, me talking about tactics and strategic thinking and things like that. Right. And to them, that's just, that's just bullshit. Right. You just put on gloves and you just go at it. Right. That's a fight. Right. Really? Last time you had a little tiff with your girlfriend or your wife, is that what you did? You just tossed her a pair of gloves. You put on a pair of gloves and you just duked it out. That's, that's a fight. Right. Well, no, that's different. No, a fight's a fight. Okay. The difference is what are you throwing? Are you throwing bullets, blades, words, Fists, right? What are you throwing? Because ultimately you're trying to damage the other person. You're trying to win. Okay? So where do we want to cut this, right? But again, if we go to challenges, if we go to hardships, those kind of things, right? Relationships come with their own brand of those things. Okay? Is your goal to succeed or is your goal to win, right? Um, what, what are you willing to fight over? Most people are willing to fight over anything when it's not fists, blades, bullets, knives, weapons, or whatever, because, you know, we can always apologize later. Yeah, yeah. you can apologize. You just can't take it back. And the wise, wise person can forgive you for saying things, doing things, acting out things, but they should never forget, okay, because... Here's the thing. If it's not in there, if it's not in conscious memory, if it's not in subconscious storehouse, if it's not in there as a potential, it can't come out. So if it came out, well, I didn't mean it. 
Well, okay. So either your floodgates dropped and your control mechanisms, right, failed and it slipped out, or that's bullshit because you did mean it. In the moment, in the heat of the moment, you did mean it. So anyway, right? Um, What about financial hardships? Takamasa say when uh, Hatsumi Sensei first met him, right? Uh, he was working, or he was uh, training with this other instructor, and he just kept going from technique to technique to technique. Okay, that scrolls done. Technique, technique, technique. That scrolls done, right? And you know, he was also working with um, U.S. military who were there during the uh, cleanup um, after the surrender of Japan and all that wonderful stuff. Uh, <clears throat> I say wonderful lightheartedly, but. Um, so he and several other instructors, right, were teaching occupational forces. It's a great way to make money. So they were teaching them judo, right? This stuff that had taken them years to master. And these occupational uh, soldiers who, by virtue of being taller, more athletic, you know, leverage was on their side and whatnot, were picking up their Japanese uh, instructors and throwing them and executing techniques like at their teacher's level within weeks or minimum couple or maximum couple of months. Okay. So there's, you know, his thing was, there's got to be more to this. Okay. So anyway, finds out about Takamasa and say goes to meet him and uh, <laughs> he leads off like a lot of people do. Right. And I think it's from nervousness or, uh, I'd like to think better of people than they just have this big ass ego. Um, and so they're going to go and find a teacher that they want to learn from who supposedly knows more than they do. Right. But they're going to go and tell them all the shit they already know. Okay. I, I invited a student to leave my dojo um, because he was a narcissistic asshole. Um, he got pissed at me because I kept asking him why he wanted to learn what we were doing. I mean, he was already a master. He was already able to defend his wife and himself and all that kind of stuff, right? So why? Why? Right? I knew why. Yeah. It was to reinforce ego. It was to say that I had another black belt and another thing. Right? But um, anyway, so uh, but Hazmi Sensei's bragging about all this stuff, and Takamasa Sensei said, yeah, 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 okay, that's fine. But can you survive? Survive what? I don't know. I don't care. Whatever comes up, challenges, can you survive? Why? Well, well, I can fight. Well, well, that's great, but what if it's not it wasn't, What if it's not that kind of fight? Okay. And then, of course, that led to, you know, the rest is history kind of uh, story, but life is full of fights. Life is full of challenges, right? And they're not all external. Um, We'll see what kind of time we have and how much we can get into this, but I've got uh, a long slew of notes here that I have on my phone's notepad. And then just before we jumped on here, (laughs) I threw something extra in. So, Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? But anyway, um, the whole first part of this one program that we have, Ninja no Hachimon, right? the eight gates of, the, of ninja training, um, 
is not about the whole first module is not about the rest of the ninja no hachimon the, the ninja no hachimon the eight gates of authentic ninja training this and again this wasn't something we came up with this was a litmus test it was a guide or a set of guidelines in ancient japan that dictated what a school had to be teaching as a minimum to claim to be teaching needs to so these these eight areas okay and it starts with ninja no kiai and then moves to ninja no taijutsu ninja no you know you get the idea right but the whole first module in the program i i had to put in there because one i created the ninja no hajimon course to help people who are who were earnestly honestly trying to learn ninjutsu but with all the shit that was flying around about this is, this isn't, that's right, this isn't, whatever. Um, here was this, here's this outline, right? Uh, that dictates what is. Now, there are different schools, there are different families, there were some clans that were only operated for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years, and then they were uh, shut down. Uh, not in a bad way, that was just, whatever regional war that was going on came and went and then it was a done deal kind of thing. Right. Um, but the, the program was designed like a lot of our programs, it was designed to answer the question, am I doing this right? Right. What am I supposed to be studying? Right. And why, right. Why is this on the list? Because part of that program is also taking a look at what that would look like in today's world. Because you have to recognize all that stuff that's quote-unquote traditional, classical, whatever, right? That was based on the, the times, right? It was based on the technology. It was based on the way the world worked, right, during those times. And all the Nijitsu stuff was cutting edge then, okay? But if you think about it, right, um, now, this is not a part of the Ninja Hachimon because Ninja Hachimon are the minimum study areas, right? But if you look at the Togakure school, right, there are those uh, 18 areas of ninja training, right? There's actually 36, but shh, don't tell anybody, right? There's 18 areas of ninja training, and one of those is in Tonjutsu, right? Stealing in, entering, right? It implies stealth, okay? So there's all these different stealth things that, you know, people want to do because it's the traditional stuff. It's the classical stuff. It's a great place to start. Okay. But never forget that our ancient ninja ancestors didn't have to worry about infrared motion detectors, those kind of things. Right. They only had to worry about the uh, eyes and ears of man and dog. Okay. So, and, or disturbing insects or, uh, birds or whatever, right? Because if you knew what to listen for in nature, that kind of gave things away as well. Okay. So it's not the same. Okay. So what needs to be included? What needs to be, what do we need to be aware of? Those kind of things, right? But anyway, back to the, back to the beginning of this, right? Um, the whole first module answers the question, what's a ninja? Okay. Everything from breaking down the kanji and looking at it from that uh, perspective to employing the one and three, three and one principle from the Gyoko school, 
which of course is a part of Togakure. As soon as they merge, everything becomes a part of the bigger thing, no matter how much people just keep wanting to split things apart, right? Um, and so now we have these three aspects of a ninja, right? Three different ways of enduring, right? So what does that, what does that entail? Okay. So yes, it's one thing to be able to endure the challenging challenges of a fight, but there's a lot more than that. Okay. Um, and the, then we're also looking at, uh, the idea behind the eighth gate, right? So the first gate I said was ninja, uh, kiai, right? Use of voice, use of sound, that kind of thing, right? Not, not the cool sounds that people make up in martial arts, like whatever, right? Um, <laughs> uh, kind of fly that likes me. Anyway, uh, so, but the, the eighth gate is Nijiro Kyomo, right? Which is education, okay? Studying. Studying what? Anything that could benefit you, that could help you produce success, uh, in a better way. Right. So. Uh, right. So in, in this case. What would we be, we'd be edu- educating ourselves about? Okay. How about this? What causes conflict? In ourselves, in others. Right. Globally. OK. So are there some key factors that we could look at? Sure. Right. Within our uh, Nikyo studies, right, there is the, a core tenant that's even beneath the um, uh, the Four Noble Truths, right, and it discusses what produces like this this cycle, right. Um, so it doesn't always feel negative. But it drives, it's like a self-perpetuating or a self-driving car, right? As long as there's fuel, it produces its own fuel, right? Then there's going to be motion, right? And it produces negativity. So uh, they're known collectively as the three poisons. So if you've ever seen a mandala of, um, let's see, the Tibetan Wheel of Life or anything like that, right? Um, in the very, very center at the hub, Okay. There are these three animals. They're biting on each other's tails. Okay. So there's a snake that's biting on the tail of a, a, a very beautiful bird, right? That's biting on the tail of a pig. That's biting on the tail of. I'm sorry. The pig is biting on the tail of the of the bird. The bird's biting the tail of a snake. Snake's biting the tail of the of the. Uh, of the pig, right? So I know that in today's world, we know how smart pigs are, right? And supposedly they're as smart as dogs. Uh, if you knew mine, um, I don't know, that's questionable. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, right? He's a lovable thing. But <laughs> anyway, right? So what we're pointing out is each one of these things represents one of the poisons. The poisons are ignorance, passion, which can also be uh, defined as greed or desire, and then anger, hatred. Okay? And again, it's the same kind of negativity, but it shows up. And they loop that way, right? Ignorance leads to desire or passion or greed or wanting, right? Things um, based on kind of a diluted view about what it is, right? And then when that doesn't work out or pan out the way we want it to, that produces anger or hatred or whatever, right? 
anger within ourselves, hatred because we're blaming other people, places, or things for it not working out, right? But it's all ultimately rooted in ignorance, and it goes back to that same thing. That anger, hatred, whatever, just feeds the ignorance loop. And I don't mean ignorance like stupidity. I mean ignorance like you don't know any better kind of thing, right? So it just feeds it. So in one instance, it's going to feed it like, God damn it, I'm going to make this work, right? And again, that just feeds it, right? In another instance, right, um, you know, uh, anger, hatred could be feeding it. So, uh, God damn it, I'm going to show them. I'm going to, you know, uh, whatever. I'm going to get him. I'm going to whatever. So it just keeps feeding around and around, right? Um, but what are the things that we can relate to, right? Because it's, it's really difficult to, to root out ignorance, right? Um, in, in the different programs that some of the folks are going through now, um, we mentioned this in the Sanji Chichi Dobon program, but it's going to be a big thing coming up in this first seven steps on the path of a Buddha or an awakened one, right? Um, and what we're looking at is, is this 12 link chain of dependent origination, right? How, how this stuff kind of happens. And we don't really recognize when our programming is getting in our own way, right? Until we have that desire and we reach out to either get something, grab something, keep something, avoid something, whatever. And then we have an opportunity because all this other stuff is happening subconsciously, unconsciously until we go into action, thought, word, or deed. So anyway, so what I did was I, I took a look very, very quickly. I just jotted out some notes here quickly. Could we go much more deeply into this? Yes, but this is not the time or the place for that. Um, I just want to take a very, very quick look at what causes conflict. What causes people to be triggered to fight? Okay. Passive aggressively which is usually internal turmoil, and then they'll make dumbass little verbal comments or they'll, you know, do a physical action like flipping somebody off, or they might actually, you know, tag somebody, but they'll do it in a playful um, a playful way or in a light way, but they'll give them that look like, do I really want to hit you, but you're not worth going to jail over. You know, that kind of bullshit, right? Um, or actual just all-out go, okay? Because if we can understand, and this is one of the first lessons I got in this heart, right? Because a ninja needs to understand the motivations of others, right? To be able to influence things, to be able to move into the higher realms of power and not just be focusing on how to duck a punch, how to use a sword, how to whatever, right? To live like a ninja, to live at those higher levels, right? Uh, I remember uh, way back in the early 80s, Hatsumi Sensei um, cautioned everybody, right? Because people were acting like, I don't know, ninja were really like what they were in the movies, right? These high-paid assassins or thugs or whatever, right? And from the perspective that he was teaching from, right? He's a jonin, right? Head of this clan. Well, it was head of how many clans, right? Um, jonin don't teach their children or their students to be gaining, to be field operatives, right? They don't teach them to be tuning middle managers, 
What do they teach them to be? Jonin. Jonin teach their students or kids to be Jonin. Chunin teach their whatever. Now, does that mean that you have to stay in that realm? No. Okay. But Jonin, right, this high man or leader kind of position is part warrior, part philosopher, part wizard, part, right, there's a whole bunch to it. So to try to help people understand that we weren't just the minions, Here's a job. Go sacrifice your life. Bring back the information. Right? He said to be called a ninja. And again, this, there's also this other thing that was going on in the martial arts world, too, where people were using condescending language or uh, or vocal tones or whatever. You know, oh, you're a ninja. Ooh. Whatever. Right. That just dumb shit stuff that, you know, if you're a certain personality type, you might want to punch him. Um, but he said to be called a ninja is to be called a true lady or gentleman. Now, I don't know how many people heard that or saw it, because I know it ended up in at least one article. Um, I don't know how many people saw that or heard the lesson and took it to heart in a way where they started carrying themselves differently. They started learning a different way to to speak a different way to carry themselves a different way to right um because the jonin is the well the chunin to a certain extent but the jonin is the most masterful position because they hide in plain sight right they're they're in social circles and and whatnot right and no one has a clue zero so much so that the Ganin in the clan don't know who their Jonin is. They know the Chunin they report to, but they don't know any of the other ones. But the Jonin is insulated even from the members of their own group. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is fucking invisible. Okay? And they don't carry themselves like they're looking for a fight. Right? So anyway, what causes conflict? Right. Well, I broke this down into three uh, just expedient areas. Right. I call them internal, external. And for lack of a better word, I mean, because James and I use this in, in another realm uh, vehicle. Right. I'll explain that in a minute. Okay? Not like your car. Okay? So a car or a motorcycle or a pickup truck. They call it. No, not that. Not that way. Right. So internal, external or vehicle. OK. So what we're really going to be looking at are perceptions. OK. So. To understand, again, this was that first lesson that I got when it came to uh, like a higher end Kuji stuff, like knowing the thoughts of others and stuff like that. People want to do like a Kuji thing and say something and whatever, and suddenly they will know the thoughts of others. You know, um, ultimately anything spiritual is rooted in the physical. Okay, so if we learn to read body language. If we learn to listen to word word patterns and word order, if we learn to pay attention to facial microexpressions and whatnot, and how different personality types make choices and what their needs and desires and weaknesses and things like that are, right? The Kuji stuff starts there, right? Because 
the stuff that people want to be able to do is really, you've got to be so dialed in to what's going on that if you, if you can't pick up on the physical cues and the verbal cues and things like that, you're not picking up on these other things, right? You're going to be guessing. Well, I'm an empath. Great. I'm a, an adopted kid. So, um, call yourself whatever you want. Okay. So, but maybe you are a natural at it, right? But that doesn't change the fact that, you know, if you can feel other people's feelings or you can sense their thoughts or whatever, right? Great. But are you overlooking the obvious shit right in front of you? Okay. Like the 13 cues that that a human being could exhibit just before they're about to go physical, right? Just before they're about to physically engage. Right? It's a start. Hell, if you knew three or four of them, right? The three or four big ones, then you're way ahead, right? Anyway, internal, external, and vehicle, right? So the question here is, what triggers a need or what triggers a desire to fight, right? What triggers aggression in human beings? Okay. It's all going to be different across the different personality types, right? If we're just looking at, uh, you know, what's in our Mikyo texts and that's visualized on the Tibetan wheel of life, uh, the six realms uh, of existence, that was an ancient way of laying out personality types, right? But then in certain psychological circles or psychi- psychiatric circles, you have like 16 different personality types, and then you've got subtypes, and you've got all these tests that identify you by letter, number, uh, you know, whatever, okay? Um, but let's just look at three in each, okay, very, very quickly, okay? So because to understand other people, the place to start is in understanding ourselves. If we can understand what triggers desire, anger, a, a, a willingness to fight, whatever, in ourselves, that's at least a head start in understanding what might trigger somebody else. Okay? And then, I don't know, we might have a leg up on the process. Maybe, right? Some people learn learn all the lessons. They don't give a shit. They're just going to do it their own way anyway, right? So they 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 want to live and operate like they're in a bubble. Anyway, all right. So internal, right? In me, okay. Um, one of these is perceptions perceptions of self, okay. Um, my sense of self uh, worth, my sense of personal power, right? Um, my sense of, or my perception of worthiness, value, all those kind of things, right? So, and again, I'm going to name a bunch of these things here, but typically what happens is ego protects, uh, protects us, right? Um, those who aren't protected are in deep depression, despair, suicidal, those kind of things, right? Because they're dwelling on all these things and ego is not doing a really, really good job of protecting them. It hasn't built a facade. Um, now, 
facades are really good for protecting us against other people out there, but we build our own internal walls as well because there's when we don't do it by necessarily hiding from ourselves, what we do is we distract ourselves. Okay, uh, my Mikio, Mikio teacher, Reverend Jikai, uh, told me that, and he, he passed on a lesson to me, but he said he got it from his teacher, Reverend Gion Haba, that the basic root of all human beings' problems begins with the fact that they are incapable of sitting alone, naked, in an empty room with no windows, right? It's empty. No decorations on the walls, no whatever, right? They're incapable of doing that or being in that state and doing absolutely nothing. We'll start humming to ourselves. We'll start telling ourselves stories. We'll start whatever, right? Because ego needs to be distracted, right? There's a I wouldn't say that most human beings, but there's a good cross-section of society that doesn't like to be left alone with their own thoughts. They need to be distracted. So, but what happens if somebody pierces that veil and says something or implies something or I need to move into a situation or an experience or whatever that calls those things out or I believe that they're either being challenged or being attacked or I'm afraid that they're going to be exposed. I'm going to be exposed. Okay? Uh, in the professional world, this is often called imposter syndrome where somebody has like a ton of experience, a ton of knowledge and all that, right? They've got all kinds of evidence about what they're able to do as an expert or as a professional or whatever, right? Um, but there's this gnawing voice, this gnawing feeling on the inside that um, they're not that thing, right? And I know a lot of people that are this way, and they've got a, <laughs> a truck ton of evidence that they've got their shit together. But there's still this gnawing voice on the inside that they they can't see that they can't see what the world sees and so there's always this fear of being quote unquote found out okay so that's one right our perceptions of self right another one is our perception of our capabilities okay skill sets whatever okay um i have I have had students in my school. I have had training partners, right? I've been this myself uh, way back. But every time the student does something, they, they do a move, they catch somebody, they, they take their partner down or whatever, right? They have to look over at the teacher for some kind of validation. Like, was that right? Was that good? Was that, did, did I do that right? They do that to me, and I look over and go, is he down? Awesome. Okay. So uh, did you do the technique that we were working on? Well, kind of, well, it started that way, but then, like, he shifted, and, oh, and you followed him instead of executing a textbook technique. Hmm, sounds like you know what you're doing. 
You're not stuck in kindergarten. Um, But, right? Uh, Let's say that we're we're on a we're working on a job at an office job. Who knows, right? We're working in this office and uh, we've got really great work ethic. We're never late for work. Stuff's always in on time, whatever, because that's just the kind of person we are, right? Um, And somebody, jokingly or not, says, dude, you know, you just don't work hard enough. Right. Everybody's carrying your weight. Right. That could really jack things up. Or it could be on the opposite side where we're trying to blow smoke up other people's ass. We know we don't practice. We know we don't uh, do what we're supposed to be doing. And so as long as we don't get around teachers or seniors or whatever who can see that, as long as we're always surrounding ourselves with people just like us or people that are in awe of whatever level we're already at, well, then we're never going to be found out, right? But again, there's fear of being found out. There's the need to be uh, seen a certain way or whatever. And when that's called in question or taken away, right, we, we can, again, how are we going to fight? Well, could be words, could be fists, could be passive aggressive bullshit that, you know, the, the pseudo warriors uh, tend to engage in more than anything. Right. Um, and then the third one is our perceptions about our beliefs. Okay. Our perceptions about our perceptions. Right. We believe certain things. Right. We see the world a certain way. We see ourselves. We see the world. We see others. We see the connection between them. And we have developed beliefs about those things. Okay. So either how solid are they? Or how much are they guarded and they can't be called into question? Okay. I am right no matter what. And not me, right? I'm just, I'm speaking from an ego, right? You get this idea. Okay. So any of these things, okay, could trigger aggression because, okay. And remember, everybody ultimately in the world is a me or an I. So when I say self uh, or internal perceptions, this is going on inside of most people, right? Unless they've attained some kind of liberation or enlightenment or wisdom or whatever, um, where they keep themselves in check and they're constantly minding their mind and uh, those kind of things, right? This game is being played everywhere, okay? Um, in fact, big companies, small companies, right? Businesses, when they do up their business plans and they, they talk to their, their employees, and maybe you've been in on some of these company meetings, right? They'll talk about the competition. They'll talk about the other companies, right, that do the same thing they do. Uh, I remember one time I, I worked for a um, – right after right out of the military, just need to pay some bills and whatnot, and I paid for – I paid for – I worked for uh, a cannery, right? And so – in the in certain times of the year, we'd be making ketchup and spaghetti sauce. Other times we'd be canning beans and bell peppers and whatever. Right. And so they would talk about Del Monte or they would talk about Green Giant or one of these other brands. Right. As being the competition. And I remember having a conversation with one of my teachers about this. And they said, 
these companies don't need to be, be worrying about the competition, right? Because the competition, right, the, the game playing that's undermining their company and keeping them from getting ahead is within their own walls. Okay? As long as employees are wandering around playing the self-capabilities belief game, uh, you know, trying to do their own maneuvering or fly under the radar and do as little work as possible but not get fired and avoid the bosses and or uh, play the manipulation game but worrying about somebody else backstabbing them or somebody, you know, getting them in trouble so because they want their job or all that kind of shit that's going on inside that particular company, as long as that's going on, Nobody needs to worry about the other company because you know what? In that company, same shit's going on, okay? And that's the biggest reason for for a company floundering or whatever, okay? Now, change the word from company to me, and nothing changes, just scope, okay? So, uh, again, what's, you know, what's the belief, right? For some people um, – you know, they've got this narcissistic personality thing going on. And so, right, I I have assumed myself God. I would never use those terms because, see, right? but I'll gaslight and I'll do all kinds of things. Not I'm using the word I because I'm helping to depersonalize because I'd like for people to get through the entire lesson without getting triggered. Because if I say you, that changes everything. Okay? Everything. And I'm okay with saying I, because I do this mental work all the time. Okay? Anyway, right? So that's internal. That's, that's self-initiated kind of things. We've set ourselves up with weaknesses and needs and things like that, that if they're not met or they're not, uh, or they're exposed, right, um, then anger, hatred, whatever, flares up, okay? So, again, could there be more? Of course, right? So next is external, okay? So internal is the stuff that's brewing inside of me, right, that I I have to keep safe and protected, right? The external are what I believe about others, okay? So first, perception of others right could be as a group right these people are xyz could be an individual that person is and i've got this snapshot or belief about right could be friend could be enemy could be stranger okay and if we're really not careful we'll jump to all kinds of conclusions because of the way they dress the way they carry themselves their hairstyle whatever right and then we assign a value, okay? And then we operate based on that, okay? And then if they don't, <laughs> they don't comply with our predetermined assessment, then there's a problem. It's their fault, right? I go and repeat or end their sentence for them, and they said, that's not, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say, and we feel irritated or we feel angry or we feel frustrated or we feel attacked or whatever because well you know you always say the other thing so 
you just tried to trip me up this time, and that's why you didn't say it. Okay, which leads us to the next one, which is um, perception of intent. Okay, what do we think their agenda is? What are we worried that their agenda is? Okay, what are the, what are we worried that they're going to saddle us with or take from us? Okay, how are they going to make us look? All those things. Okay, and again. See, this could be triggering an actual physical aggressive action, or it just could be words under the breath or whatever, right? Aggression is aggression, okay? A fight, an attack is not just physical, but in the martial world, that's where people tend to settle. But for a ninja, it can't rest there because in the realm of warfare, there's psychological things going on. There's political things going on. There's all kinds of maneuvering and whatnot to create an advantage, right? To control the battlefield. And sometimes the battlefield is your mind or your heart, not the ground you're standing on. Okay. So here's the question. What is it that we're defending? Okay. What is it that we're defending? Right. Or what is it we're trying to win? Or what is it that we're trying to prevent from losing or keep from losing? Okay. Anyway, and then again, we have perception of beliefs. Okay. But in this case, it's not necessarily just like I'm worried about what they're, well, I guess it is. I'm worried about their beliefs, right? And I know how this sounds the same, but again, this is from my, my perspective on this other person or this other group. So now what we're looking at are, uh, and what can cause uh, aggression is uh, difference in political leaning, difference in religious belief, difference in schooling or education, difference in parenting style, difference in martial arts style, right? Okay. What we're looking at here is a gauging of, rightness okay and again this is all egocentric because the more they're like me the more they're okay by me the more they think act believe and do as i do the more they're on my team okay see how that works okay so it's when the differences pop up right um James, is it okay if I just share a little bit of your most recent story, the leadership one? Is that okay? So James um, just shifted um, jobs, and like very first day, there was a, a leadership kind of thing that popped up, right, because he was hired to be in a management position. And there was an assumption that because he didn't come in with what they determined to be positive leadership traits like they called him on it the first day well one he had never been there before outside of maybe a job interview right two he's being led around and and given a tour and shown things right but three they made an assumption about leadership ability not based on what they know about him and his leadership style but about whether or not 
no, not even whether or not, right? Based on their belief that to be a good leader, a positive leader, right, then you must also be an extrovert. You must also be outward, talkative, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, I'm pretty sure we can go through the history books and find all kinds of introverted leaders that they didn't speak very much, but when they did, people freaking listened. Okay. Um, Abraham Lincoln, that's a good start I mean, for, the, from, for the people that live in the U.S., right? Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, right? As a matter of fact, he was even known for, uh, what was that one quote, speak softly but carry a big stick kind of thing, right? So um, just the the assumption that, right? And then that's what they let off with on the first day. So uh, he shared that with me, and the first thing I thought was, wow, and they're going to call somebody else out on leadership ability. What about leadership as in, I will learn my people's strengths and weaknesses, understand their operation style, and so that way I can best employ them to to get things done. Perhaps they missed that book. I suggested that he pick up a copy of uh, Robert Greene's The 48 um, Laws of Leadership. There's also 48 Laws of Power, and there's a bunch of other ones, right? But 48 Laws of uh, Leadership. And that is a gift. But anyway, it is what it is, right? So um, <laughs> they made the cardinal mistake that you could make with anyone who's who's actually relatively confident. Okay? And that is they gave an ultimatum. So James went in the next day and told them they didn't need to wait. He'll just make the decision for them. And now there are several people who are in supposedly a leadership position that are extremely off balance because they made another mistake that silence equals weakness. So, oh, well, it's only a temporary stepping stone anyway, right? Okay. So. Anyway, all right, so, again, these things could trigger me, right? Again, the more I know about me and what could trigger me, I can better understand what might trigger somebody else, okay? Um, I was once (laughs) threatened with physical violence because of the way I walk, okay? Somebody came up to me in an airport and said, you're a fucking soldier, aren't you? You're a baby killer. I wasn't even in uniform. The haircut might have given it away. But what the hell are you talking about? I'm not in uniform. What gives? uh, Walk like a soldier. You're a baby killer. Well, what he, after I calmed him down, what he alluded to was because my walk spoke of confident control, he equated that with military. That he already had a belief system about that group of people, right? And then, I mean, this guy, this guy was going to, he was ready to do serious harm. You know, the irony, the irony is I didn't learn how to walk that way in the military. I learned how to walk that way in this martial art. 
So interesting, right? But somebody was willing to physically harm me or worse because of the way I walk and how that worked with their their own personal beliefs about themselves, what they stand for, what they like, what they hate, whatever, and what they believe about certain groups and associations and okay. So so here's the thing. How to win a fight, how to uh James, did you see the little warning that came across the screen? Okay. I said, uh, what I got on our side is one of the streams is having connection problems. So I apologize if something just wavered for one of you guys. Cause we're on, what are we on? We're on YouTube. We're on two Facebook pages. We're on Twitter at the same time. So I don't know what, um, what might have glitched there, but, uh, hopefully you're still with us. Anyway, audio folks, I apologize for that little side stream because you're not on video with us. Anyway, but can you see how that kind of thing can work, right? And again, it's clarity, okay? So what the hell, what the hell am I talking about when it comes to vehicle, okay? Well, the vehicle is, is the, the kind of the structure that I'm operating in, okay? So it could be perceptions about style, right? How to do something, okay? Again, we're all martial arts and self-defense practitioners, so it could be that, right? But style could also be um, the uh, the way something is done, okay? Uh, I was raised Judeo-Christian in, in that realm, okay? Uh, but how many denominations are there within that? So this isn't even this isn't even like you know. Christians arguing about some other world religion or whatever. This is infighting amongst themselves, okay? Because I always thought it was odd that some were allowed to, like, smoke and drink, but they couldn't get married or have sex. And some were allowed to, like, uh, get married and have as many kids as they want, um, as long as you don't smoke and drink. And other ones, right, you can drink and you can have sex and have kids, but you can't as long as you don't smoke, right? Whatever, right? Just... So there are all these, right? So, but people are arguing over this kind of stuff, right? So again, this goes back to what have I attached myself to? And this is, this constitutes a sense of self, right? Second one would be perception of cause, right? What's the cause that they're fighting for? Okay. So, um, or what would cause them, um, to fight or to engage in aggression. We'll, we'll stay with, with physical fighting at the moment. Okay. Um, and this actually pops up in our module four in our uh, white to black belt uh, training program. Okay. Because people have to know Japanese vocabulary. They have to know history. They have to know, they have to know more than just how to whip a joint lock on somebody or how to take up a certain posture. Okay. Because I'm passing on what I was taught and not watering it down so that I can get extra students to fifth degree black belt as quickly as I can so that I can brag about, look at all the black belts I have under me. Okay. Anyway, so here's a question, right? What's the difference between a fighter, a soldier, and a warrior when it comes to 
their decision to engage in a fight. What's the difference? And I'm not splitting hairs with the, well, you know, like soldiers could be warriors too. And, you know, I'm not splitting, I'm not splitting hairs. Okay. Let's talk about this from a very, uh, almost a traditional kind of perspective. Okay. So what it really comes down to is, right, what's the, what's the, what's the need or desire, right? What's the, what's the reason? What's the cause? Okay. So for a fighter, a fighter fights to win a prize. I don't care if they're fighting over the girl on Saturday night at the bar. I don't care if it's one country. Or, well, I'd like to take that one back, right? I don't care if they're getting in, getting into an MMA or a boxing ring and it's for a belt, a trophy, a check, whatever, right? The mindset is there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. Okay. Period. Right. And they need, typically they need the accolades. Okay. So that's a fighter. Soldier. Okay. So fighter chooses. They choose their fights. Okay. I don't care if it's somebody that checks shoulders with them walking through the mall and he's having a bad day or that check for that you know, winning that MMA bout or whatever is big enough and I'm about to, you know, be evicted and have my truck repossessed. Um, that's a true story, actually, from a bunch of years back. Somebody uh, actually spit that out during an interview. They actually had to win because their life was <laughs> in the tank. And if they didn't win this, they'd be sleeping under a bridge. Okay? So anyway, um, so they choose, right? But they choose based on what? They choose based on prize. They choose based on what they're going to gain or lose. Okay? Look at almost all the great fighter stories. Right? The biggest one, it's fictional, but the biggest one is the Rocky story. Right? There's nothing to lose. Everything to gain. It's their way out. Okay? So you can go into all kinds of, you know, alleys and stuff with this psychology, but either way, right? What about a soldier? Okay. Now, ultimately, we all have choice. But in the realm of soldiers, in the realm of the military, desertion, right, jumping ship when uh, you're supposed to be charging forward, right, disappearing, running off or whatever, um, the last I heard still comes with a death penalty. Okay. So, and if you don't get that, then you might get life in prison. Might as well just kill me. Anyway, but a soldier has no choice. Someone else dictates who the enemy is, and someone dictates the who, what, when, where, that kind of thing, right? They may have some kind of limited uh, sense over how it's going to be done, but either way, right? So uh, they have signed up to, they have signed up, for someone else's cause. Now they could absolutely wholeheartedly, right. Um, believe in the cause and that's fine. Okay. But when it comes down to when to fight, who to fight, where to fight, when to fight, no choice. Okay. And then a warrior in the truest sense, a warrior would sign up 
on the side that matches their ideals. Now, I know over time there was still nationality, there was still clan, there was still group, whatever, right? And we use the term warriors, okay? But in the truest sense, and from the ninja's perspective, the alignment, the cause that is being fought for is that which will protect those and that which I, it's of my choosing. So I align myself with the same ones. Okay. Again, we have a hard time in today's world doing that kind of thing, but that's what ends up happening, right? Warriors also tend to uh, not fight unless all other options are exhausted. Okay. Uh, in the Japanese Chinese kanji for bu or mu of musha, warrior, budo, bujutsu, right? Um, it's actually made up of two smaller kanji. I'm going to do this on uh, visual, but uh, those of you on the audio podcast and things like that, uh, look up the kanji character for bu, uh, bu or mu for uh, warrior, right? So I'll draw this out for everybody else. And I may have done this in the past, but there's this kanji character, right? And it's actually made up of two separate kanji. Okay? One, which isn't used anymore, is this one. That's these strokes here. Okay? Uh, it actually uh, uh, translated as uh, combat or warfare or whatever. So remember that most Japanese kanji are pictographs. They're like hieroglyphics. Okay? They're a picture of something. So if you can imagine this castle abutment with arrows flying over it, right, that's what we're looking at. So this kanji here was translated as conflict. Okay? And then this second half, where is it here, right, this one here, okay, is used in today's world. Right? You see it all the time in Japan. Okay. This one, right, um, you'll see it on signs that look like this. Okay. It's a stop sign in Japan. Okay. That kanji means to stop or to cease. Okay, So when we put them together, we paint the job of a warrior, which is what? To stop conflict, to cease conflict. Yeah, but he's fighting. Yeah, yeah, I know. But negotiations, bureaucracy, all that kind of stuff have failed. Okay. And the Japanese have a saying, okay, if we're at war, then all else has failed. Right. Negotiations have failed. Peace talks have failed. Bureaucracy has failed. Fairness has failed. All that's left now is to win. Okay. So the idea is for the restoration of peace. Does that mean that, you know, all warriors and all clans and all armies were um, uh, enlightened? And no, not saying that. What I'm, talking, what I'm pointing to is the ideal, okay? So what's the cause that one is willing to fight for? The more clear we are about that, the easier it's going to be to determine when we will fight, okay? We haven't even gotten to the answer of how to win all fights, but can you see how we're on, we're on one side of it talking about what causes it Right. 
maybe. It's pointing toward it. Okay. But uh, so what we do, we did style, we did cause. And then the third one in vehicle is borrowed perceptions. Okay. And this could be conscious or unconscious. Borrowed perceptions are values and ideals and causes and styles, right, that we get from our environment, okay? Friends and family, right? We borrow their values, right? Tell me what to believe and I'll believe it too. I've heard that a lot, right? Um, a lot of people will here's, – here's something that we, we bring up in the, in the first seven steps uh, course – when it comes to motivation and understanding what can cause suffering and, and whatever, right. Is, um, uh, liking or not liking something or favoring or not, or whatever, because somebody that you trust or that you like, likes that thing, right. Uh, or you believe them. Or don't believe them based on whether you like them or trust them. Not based on whether you have any evidence, but whether or not you like and trust them. That's a politically based um, decision. It's not one based on fact or any kind of wisdom or evidence or knowledge or anything. It's based on, well, I like them. I have no reason to, to not believe them. Okay. But from a clarity perspective, okay. I accept what you tell me is true okay? in light of no other evidence at the moment. Okay. I accept that what you tell me is true. If for no other reason than you believe it's true, but that's not going to prevent me from double checking the information. If it's something that I need to know, okay? because if I follow it and fail or follow it and get in trouble, the law and typically other people, don't give a whole lot of allowance for, yeah, but he told me it was true. Yeah, but you're the one that carried it out. Okay? So when we stop acting like six-year-olds, then anyway. All right? So friends and family, we borrow values. We borrow, borrow belief systems. We borrow style, right? So why would you do that martial art? Well, see, my dad's best friend's cousin's college roommate said it was the best style. Well, what would you find out? Well, I don't know. I didn't check in on the styles. He said it was best. Oh, okay. Fair enough. How's that working out for you? Well, look, nobody's attacked me yet, so I, I don't I don't know what's going to work. Oh, okay. So you believe it's going to work. You hope it's going to work. Okay. Anyway, uh, another one is cultural, right? The culture, the social uh, construct that we're, that we're in, right? I mean, there's conditioning. There's programming. There's... Uh, you know, it's what everybody else is doing. Okay. And then there's also environmental. Now, cultural is macrocosmic. It's big picture. Environmental is microcosmic, right? It's the group you hang out in, right? James, how many uh, podcasts have we mentioned the Denzel Washington speech and other ones, right? Where if you're, you find yourself in a group of five people that do X, Y, Z, you'll be the sixth, right? Positive or negative. Okay, because if we're going to hang out, if we're going to stay, which is why in, in Japanese society, um, when you get in trouble, you have to do major atonement. Okay, or your friends and family have to step step in and slap the shit out of you. Right. One way or the other. 
because if they don't, they're guilty of the same crime by association. They're guilty of the same disrespect or whatever, because the assumption is if it's family, right, they would have taught you better. And if you're acting that way and they didn't step in, then they must be okay with it. And if it's friends and they associate with you, then they they know how you are. You must be okay with them. So they're either tolerant of an ignorant ass or they're all the same as well. So everybody associated with you, quote unquote, loses face. Okay? Used to be that way in this country, too. And then we took the hippie independent route. And then now, you know, it's nobody's fault for anything. And yet they can't do much with their lives. Anyway. All right. So that's the what causes conflict. Um, you know, let's do this. Let's let's use this as a little uh, segue um, because I want to I want to look at some other things that that. Where do I have I need to see where I have the the lesson that I give you? Where am I answering the question? I guess. It's fine. I guess we could do it next. Right. Because. I think I've laid a decent enough foundation in that direction as far as the psychology goes, but there's other stuff yet to be done. So um, questions, comments, complaints. Uh, you got a couple questions come in from Sensei McLaurin. Okay. Uh, one is, do we cover all 36 or just the 18 areas of training? That's a really good question, Chris. We cover all eight, uh, all 36. Well, we offer all 36. A lot of things are done through seminars and online programs and things like that because we don't have enough time in the dojo to do all that. So that's what the seminars are. And the ninja side of it, also known as the rope we give students to hang themselves with or to grab on as a lifeline, um, when we say, oh, no, you don't need to do those things. Those are all optional. It depends on what your preferences are, okay? But whether or not you go through a seminar, whether or not you come to one of the camps because certain things are being covered, whether or not you do an online program, whatever, has no bearing on whether or not this dojo, if no one else's, is teaching people on all 36. Now, here's the thing. In your program, most of what you are doing okay, in the on the front end okay, is Bujitsu. Okay? Now, it's heavily influenced by Ninjutsu, but it's the first things that you – anytime you're initiated to something, unless it's specifically a ninja tool or whatever, like Shuko or whatever, okay? Or we specifically say, this is a Togakure thing, this is a, uh, a Gyokushin thing, this is a Kumogakure thing, whatever. Um, it's going to be on the Budo side, because there are 18 uh, ninja 
skill areas in the Togaku review. But what's not written, okay, is that there are 18 Budo skills that need to be trained in. Okay. And here's the way it was explained to me by Hatsumi Sete. Okay. Nijitsu is a variation on the conventional. How do you do a variation on something you don't know how to do? Okay. And then the other side of it is how do you beat the conventional if you don't know it or know how to do it? Okay. So there's 18 conventional Budo skills. They changed over certain eras and whatnot because of armor and weapon type and things like that, right? Prevalent, um, you know, certain prevalent weapons and whatnot, weapon development. Um, and then there are these 18, the, the Ninja Juhake, right? The uh, 18 levels of Nijutsu or whatever out of the Togaburi school, which by its very nature includes the eight skill sets, the eight mandatory skill sets in the Ninja Hachimon, but it expands it greatly. Okay. So uh, do we do all? Yeah. Okay. So when you're introduced to your sword stuff, okay, it's not fact, stuff you're working on for Sandan, right? Um, most of the Kamai you're given are conventional Katana, Bujutsu kind of things, right? Most of the fundamental skills are all that way. Right. You're not given the um, the uh, Togakure secret sword patterns until much later. Why would I give you something that has to control his movements, his intent, his understanding and whatnot with a smaller blade? Before you actually mastered the ability to easily maneuver. A long blade. That's not a question for Chris, because I'm not picking on you. This is a question for everybody. Okay. So, um, you know, while a lot of people just kind of throw things around, um, whatever things look like, that obvious thing, that's not needed to. Okay. So, but I inject plenty of needed to in how a ninja would look at these things. And, you know, this is, this is how I want you to do it. This is what you're testing on, right? But we're heading in this direction. Okay. Uh, one of the most recent things I said with a sword was, uh, that up to a certain point in training, right? The sword is held at a certain angle over the head in Daijodan. Okay. That if you drop it back too far, it's extra work you have to do. Okay. So what I have people do is position that sword on the angle that the cut actually begins on, okay? So anything behind that, the sword has to get to that point before it can be dropping and going out at the target, okay? Uh, and that's how I was initiated to things, right? So this is where it begins, because the feeling in Daijodan, this Kamai that I'm talking about, is when I have that moment, okay? When I have the opening. I will cut you down with the power of heaven. And remember, our Kamai are holistic. There's not just a physical form. There is a mental uh, strategy that's going on. And there is also an intent that you are proje projecting to him. This is the Omote, right? This is the uh, Kokoro no Kamai, the Kamai of the heart, right? I'm presenting and I want him to feel that, okay? This has to be mastered before you can get to 
Kage no kamae, shadow posture, where you're taking up one physically, but in your heart, you're something different, and he doesn't get to see what that is until it's too late, because most people operate based on what they see. He'll make all of his plans. He'll make all of his decisions. He'll make all of his actions. He'll all that tactically, strategically, and all that based on what he sees and thinks you're going to do from there. Okay? So, but there's this whole other thing going on. And we have to be able to understand that we have a physical part of ourselves. We have a mental, strategic part of ourselves, right? And we have a heart intent part of ourselves, the three bodies, right? Okay. So if we can't use the, the, the almost a part of training is to be able to synergistically make them work together, right? It's the Sanmitsu, thought, word, and deed, right? The triple secrets for success. You get really good at that. And, and part of the training, because most people are disconnected, they think one thing, they say another, they act contrary to both of those, whatever. Right. Um, they don't know how to tie them together. They, they barely even know themselves, let alone how to operate. Right. And I'm, I'm laughing because I, I remember going through the process myself. And whew, anyway, so um, but we we learn to bring them together. But then now that we we understand those three aspects, then we can divide them. But when, again, this, this all goes to, and you'll hear me say this a lot, living and acting intentionally rather than accidentally. Well, why, if I'm going to split it apart, uh, do I even have to, like, do the other stuff? Right? I'm all, you said I'm already there. Yeah, well, the difference between somebody who can use those things separately, but tactically and strategically, right, intentionally, and somebody who's just freaking, you know, uh-huh, right, acting habitually, just it's there's no comparison, right? It's not apples and oranges, right? It's apples and fucking spaceships. I don't know. It's it's not, it's not even close, okay? So um, anyway, but let's get back to that daijodan, right? So because students are working on coordination with the body the hands doing what they're supposed to be doing, understanding the throwing the boshi, right, with the leverage to make it happen, that the body movement creates the sword sliding across the, the surface of the, of the target, but the levering of the hands brings that boshi out, and the fact that you're doing the sword cut as a weapon, but the sword's positioning as a shield, all this kind of stuff, right? We're going to move from the, the point where everything starts. But the people above Sandan, right, Shoshi Whistler, my, my, all my Shidoshi in the dojo, right, um, they don't do this anymore. I tell all you guys to ignore this. Some want to jump ahead, and their sword, their cutting and, and, and skill sets are still not where they're supposed to be. But, you know, I want to believe, right, my perceptions of myself, right, or my perceptions of my capabilities, right, now when you get called on it, right, 
to just hold me back. Not that you guys do that, but I've heard students talk about that shit all the time. I've had students come to me because their teacher, they thought that they were of the rank that they were supposed to be, and their teacher was just holding them back. So would I promote them? No, you're not my student. And I'm certainly not promoting you until I see that you can actually do what you say you can do. Boy, that really pisses people off. Anyway, so for those of you visually, uh, to see this visually, um, this is going to make more sense. For those of you that are um, audio only, I apologize. Right, But what I'm doing is taking the sword from that angle, that blade, and I'm dropping it back Okay, to where I told you earlier on, don't do that. Okay? But why are we breaking the rule? We're not breaking the rule, right? We're changing things because your skill set's better. Your ability to get past that point and your ability with the levering with your hands, your ability with coordination of your body, your ability to use the weapon as a shield, all that kind of stuff, right, is where it's supposed to be. The problem with this is, right, with this angle, is somebody who knows what they're doing, they're going to watch the end of the tsuka, and when it changes shape, they're going to act, okay? So, but that's not the big point. The big point is with this angle, they can see how long your blade is. And if the if your opponent can see how long your weapon is. In modern warfare, if I know my opponent's weapon system, I know its range, I know its capability and all that, then I know how to neutralize its effectiveness in my direction while counterattacking in their direction. So classically, right, I can see how long his weapon is. If I can see how long his weapon is, then I know how to take proper distance. So I know how to neutralize it and get him, okay? So for the upper-level guys, we drop it back this way, okay, because we're disguising the length of the blade. We're taking away that critical piece that a master swordsman needs to operate like a master swordsman. If I remove a critical piece of information he needs, I gain a severe advantage. But if somebody who's a wannabe does this, what they do is they slow down their cut because they don't cut well. They don't leverage well. They don't, I know what they think they do. However, they just move their, the, the boshi, the working end of the sword, how much farther away from the target? Okay. So you understand? Okay, hopefully. Anyway, so the the short answer, Chris, is we work on both, right? Uh, what else we got? Uh, his other question was, have you ever met someone who you couldn't read before they attacked verbally or physically, and if so, why? Yes. Remember, I was a federal cop. I was in the military. Right? That means that 80% of the people I ever arrested or had to wrestle to the ground or whatever were either. And I was also a Cold War soldier operating in what was then West Germany, which means I worked with the Polizei doing counterterrorism shit and stuff like that. What this all wraps up to is there have been some people that I've had to deal with that were deep level sociopaths. That means they're emotionally disconnected. There is no reading. There is only operating based on their actions. Okay. So what was the last part of that question? So yes, I have. And if so, why? Why what? 
Read the question again. Have you ever met someone who you couldn't read before they attacked verbally or physically, and if so, why? I'm assuming the why is I did it because I was a cop and had to do my job. Um, why were they that way? I don't know. Maybe their daddy didn't hug them enough. I don't have a better answer for that one because this would dive into all kinds of reasons that people yeah. choose to be who they are and then develop that those habitual thoughts, words, plans, deeds, perceptions, self-perceptions, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, it's, a, it's a deep hole, right? Which is why the people who went through the Sanjay Shiji Doban program, most of them are not moving on to the next program because they've got a shit ton of work <laughs> just going through that program. Um, and, you know, so because it's a lot of freaking hard work. But um, tell me if tell me if I answered that, if I didn't answer the why question correctly, because I, I he said it's just why you couldn't read them. Because they were emotionally disconnected. There was no tell. Okay. Now, reading them emotionally, reading their intent from an internal perspective is not the same as being able to read fight style or uh, potential attack uh, or when they're going to attack or whatever, right? Because, um, you know, it's easier to read somebody. I mean, you don't want to because if they're fully enraged and don't give a shit, that's not the person you want to be facing. Right. You can you can it's kind of like dealing with the, the guy who throws the big hook punch, you know, the big right cross and all that. And we talk about how there's a big hole in the middle and there's a space for opportunity and whatever. And um, I know how fast they are and stuff like that, but there's tells and and whatever. Right. OK, great. All those benefits on my side. But you know what? I'd rather be hit with a jab or three than that big old frickin' roundhouse or that that um, haymaker. Because he's putting everything into it. So there's pluses and minuses to both of these things. But why couldn't I read him? Um, some of the guys, the, the, like one or two of the terrorists that we dealt with, bring up some of the YouTube videos or Facebook videos or whatever of some, or of some of these um, killers, right? They're, they're in court. They've been... Uh, found guilty and whatnot and sentences sentencing is going to happen or whatever and family gets a chance to get up either at a podium or on the stand or whatever and read a statement or whatever i the most recent one that i saw was this guy you know um his mom wasn't around anymore she was a loving person whatever um you know um uh, the biggest reason that he hates this guy is because he's still breathing and she's not. This thug was sitting at the, at the defendant's table. Shrugging. There was nothing. There was nothing. Okay. Um, in the words of one of my Mikio teachers, some people are just born with bad wiring. And you're going to have to operate with it. So here's the thing. And here's the thing that catches or is going to catch a bunch of egocentric, above fifth don, Bujinkan Nijitsu students. Names are not required. Okay? They can 
do their own soul searching. Okay. The fifth on test is both a recognition that someone has, at least at a base level, an intuitive sense or recognition of danger and the ability to move their body out of the space they're in without wind up or whatever. Okay, there's two skills that go together. We've talked about that before. Okay. But it is also an initiation into a new realm of training where that sensitivity should always be going on. Always. Okay. Because the next level up from Saki, detecting the force of the killer, which is a projection of intent. You're talking about someone who doesn't project intent. The next level up is called Kuji. Not necessarily tied to these nine hand symbols and things like that, right? But one of the nine Kuji is premonition of danger. Okay? So, but there's overt Saki, sensing the force of the killer. That's the fifth on test. Above that, Kuji. Kuji is detecting or recognizing danger where no intent is projected. So how did I handle it? Not with Saki. Okay. But what most people do, what ego does is I pass the test, I have this, and then all ranks after that tend to be honorary. Shit, in the world, most ranks below that were fucking honorary. Anyway, so see, see what triggers me. Anyway, so, um, and you know what? I'm at this level now. I don't have to give a shit, right? I care about my students, and that's all, and my peers and my family that I don't, I don't need to worry about. I'm not here to police up anything else or whatever, right? But there is a whole world beyond this thing, and the people that got their ego, they got this whole thing stuck in their ass, that there's something because they passed this test and they don't realize that there's something beyond that because there are some people, there are some dangers that don't fucking project, right? And one of the common, one of the most common examples I give is somebody, you know, I'm walking past an apartment building and somebody's, a, you know, 10th floor or whatever, right? My mom lives on the ninth floor of a of an apartment high-rise kind of thing, right? And I could be walking around the, the thing to go in the main entrance, and who knows? She could have the freaking window open. She could be cleaning her windows and bump her freaking flower box or flower that she is sitting on there. And it's now falling, and it's going to smash into my skull. I'm pretty sure the flower and the flower pot are not projecting murderous intent. That's Kuji. Without that level of ability, you die. But that's no different than how you have to deal with a sociopathic assassin who is just cold. They're, they're just pure action. Or I've experienced some that are that way, but it doesn't feel like a push. It feels like a vacuum to me, to me. Okay. Anyway, hopefully that helps. Uh, James, anybody, anything else? Anybody else? 
Victor with Florida Budo asks, would you say that the greatest fear is to be wrong? Hmm. Depends on the person. I think for most people, um, if they want to be honest with themselves, I think most people's greatest fear is of being afraid. But um, when we go through, uh, you're signed up for the first uh, seven steps on the path program we're going to be doing. And in one of those, we're going to be talking about um, these five parts or five collection collected uh, capabilities, whatever. We'll get into it much more deeply. Um, In Sanskrit, they're known as the skandhas. Okay. And so um, it's form, feeling, perception, conceptualization, and consciousness. It's five areas of ourselves that we can work on. Okay. From one perspective, we're going to be looking at how a person can be leading with one or two of these things, but be deficient in the others. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to borrow a, uh, uh, what'd you call it? A, um, hmm. not a cliche, but just a kind of a, just a general kind of thing about a given person, right? So somebody who goes to the gym a lot, they're all about their physical form and, and fitness level and, you know, uh, uh, their appearance and whatnot, right? Okay. So vanity. Right. One of the seven deadly sins from another spiritual teaching. Right. Um, is it dwells in form. OK, so this person, their fear. Pops up. If they think about or hear about or whatever, somebody being in an accident, and losing a limb. Right. Being disfigured, that kind of thing. Right. Um old age, sickness, those kind of things, right, that just diminish that godlike appearance kind of thing, right? Um, they're smug when they're around people that are close or less in appearance, but that fear arises when they're around somebody who is obviously bigger, is obviously more cut or whatever, okay? So... Everything is wrapped around that. But vanity shows up different for somebody who their focus isn't on form. Their focus is on in the conceptualization consciousness level, which is where intelligence resides. So this person, ego, is is focused on how smart they are, their their IQ, those kind of things, right? So where's fear going to rise when they – Fear of being wrong, the fear of um, of being misinformed, the fear of not being the smartest person in the room, right? The fear of being in a tragic tragic accident or getting a disease or an injury or whatever that um, diminishes mental capacity. See, each each person, right? An artist is going to have a problem with um, losing their conceptualization faculties. 
those kind of things, right? So, um, fear will ride where, where those things are, where ego leads, okay? But at its core, right, most human beings, regardless of what their needs or desires are, or their weaknesses are, right? This is in uh, the ninja's psychological warfare areas. Um, the fear, and we talked about this, for those of you who went to the Sanji Shichi Kobon, we'll, we'll be doing this again in the first Seven Steps program. Um, ego's biggest fear is in not getting what it needs or not being able to avoid the negative. Okay, so, uh, but be- below that, right? Below that is just this primitive fear of being afraid. I mean, think about everything humans have done coming from the cave, right? Fire and grouping together uh, in clans and those kind of things, right? Um, all the way up to the modern social structure. The, the amount of comfort that people have surrounded themselves with so they don't have to fear not having enough. They don't have to fear what? Right? Dying at the hands of wild animals or whatever. Right? If you ever want to see people, uh, what, who and what they are at their core, okay, you need to see them in one of two, preferably both, right? And that goes for the people that you, especially the people you surround yourself with the, cl- at the closest, right? Because you can transmute fear. That's well, Our warrior training does that, right? But we have to put ourselves in challenging situations that trigger that so that we can train ourselves to operate through it in spite of it. Because fear on an, on an autonomic level is the amygdala sending a, a signal to the hypothalamus triggers a, a peptide bath that hits all your cells, changes you, right? Hans since they talked about the difference between regular nerves when people go into that shock, fight or flight, fear kind of thing, right? That kind of nerves and budo nerves, which if training should induce this so that you can get there faster, but what ends up happening is your state equalizes, right? And Everything is different, but there's this, there's this kind of a, hmm, it's an altered state, right? You don't think about fear. You don't think about whatever. Um, it, it's, everything feels different. And I think a lot of people, I think most people fear that state because ego and left brain can't lead, right? You will be pure action. You will be pure intent. You will be. Right. Um, but if you want to see somebody at their true nature, who's not at that level, make them get them angry or see them angry or see them afraid. Nothing will make the facade drop faster than fear and rage. And then what comes out that they will try to apologize for later, right, is them. It's what's inside. Okay. So, anyway. 
in my humble opinion, <laughs> based on research and experience. So, uh, James, what else? That was it for questions right now. Okay, cool. All right. So we're at that point where I'm going to uh, tell you what the secret is. And then we've got a couple of things uh, that I'm just going to throw out as an extra. But I want you to think about this. I'm going to lead this with something that is probably a spoiler alert. Okay. You are going to probably have a knee-jerk response in line with, seriously? Well, fucking duh. Like, that's the secret? That's not a secret. That's obvious. No. The secret is in the first half that I covered and knowing, knowing when you're in a condition that the statement I'm about to make is true and not what you want it to be. The secret to winning all fights is not getting in one you can't win. And most husbands are going, well, duh, I freaking knew that. <laughs> but, right? See, here's this thing. People will hear things like this, right? And they'll make this freaking knee-jerk response or knee-jerk, uh, you know, have this knee-jerk reaction or thought or whatever, but never stop to ask themselves, what am I missing? Because if you think that the ancient masters who, you know, were in a long line of a thousand or two thousand years of warriors who studied nothing but warfare and were engaged in bloodshed and survival and those kind of things, right? <laughs> Didn't have something else in mind than just this one simple statement. Then I don't, I don't know why you're seeking out this knowledge. Because everybody likes to throw around cliches like, well, it was e if it was easy, everybody would do it. And Well, then why are you training like it's easy? Why are you assuming that it's easy? Why are you assuming that you understand it? Right? At first glance. Right? So um, the secret, also the secret for, um, it's in there, the secret for always knowing the right technique in any moment, in any fight is to never do a technique that's not already working. I'll let you stew on that for a second. Did I say to not do a technique that you couldn't make work? Did I say don't do a technique that um, wasn't an option? No. What this points to is in the heat of a fight, when things are going really, really freaking fast, and you barely get conscious level glimpses of possibilities, right? This is pointing to like the tactile sense being more important than your eyes. This is going by feel. Hasmi said, use the word feel. Use the word feel. How much? 
people just nod like a horse that had his snout in a freaking feed bag. Yeah. Okay. Great. Just keep nodding. Right. So if it sounds super obvious, but it's coming from a secret place or that a master is pointing it out. What am I missing? Okay. What am I missing? If you've ever been in one, if you've ever used the stuff that you're teaching or the stuff that you're learning in an actual situation, I have. Okay, You will know that more often than not. It's not that you don't go for certain things or whatever, right? But there's a certain feel and a sense that you have it, that it's actually working. Not that you grabbed it and tried because... Grabbing and initiating, there should be a tactile sense, right? We have those five Ds that discern, right? I need to be feeling. Is this working? Is it not working? Whatever. But it's not a conscious level, is it? Isn't it? Did it? No. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> the handful or more times that I've whipped the mushadori on somebody, right? Um, they almost all of them came from a hoko fending position because the person was coming in like a raped ape just trying to slam and hammer, right? And all of a sudden I realized, oh, I know what this is because it was already happening and I just went with it. There's another one of those cliches, right? Use his energy against him. Go with the flow. Yeah, easier said than done which is why we have more drills than we have techniques. And we need to be doing them even more than we do them in the dojo. But people get bored easily, so we have to jump around a lot because, you know, I've got a handful of students that if I said we're going to work on this one micro little thing for two hours, they would work on that micro thing for two hours. But most people, even if they stuck it through class, their interest would, would start to wane. Because ego's not being entertained. Okay? Be careful with things like boredom. Boredom is an indicator that ego's not getting what it wants. Which means you're soon, if you follow it, you'll soon be not getting what you need. Okay? So, anyway. Um, but the idea with this, this, this thing of don't get involved in a fight you can't win. Okay? How do you know? What's your litmus test? Okay. Remember those perceptions of self, perceptions of capabilities, perceptions of um, your perceptions of your beliefs, right? Okay. I don't care what you believe your technique skill to be until you pressure tested it, speed, resistance-wise, things like that. that. That doesn't mean you have to go full speed, right? But you should be able to get to, if you're working with a training partner who has good ukemi, you should be able to get to 80% speed. And hit your mark eight out of ten times. Minimum. Okay. So, but anyway. Um, so let's let's back up here, okay? So let's see. Who's the me? Uh, okay. So um, we talked about what causes conflict, right? Talked about some of the things that, that uh, were in the Ninja Hachimon, why, all that kind of stuff, right? But this 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 is the idea behind the life purpose discovery process, and the first seven steps programs that we have, right? So 
know thyself. Okay? This first part about what causes conflict, right? Know thyself. Know how to get clear about the way things work, right? This is that knowledge part from the Nijinal Kilmon, okay? What triggers others? What triggers other me's? Here's a better question. This is at the root of the Sanjay Chichi Dobon program and the First Seven Steps program. Who's the me or I behind the decision making? Right? So uh, this is also the idea behind the Ninja Influence and Motivation Program, or is it Motivation Influence uh, program that we have, right? Um, know how to understand and speak the listen of others. Okay, get your own agenda out of the way. Now, I know, let's say I've got a friend who, um, you know, has not been feeling well and whatnot, and they know they need to go to the doctor, right? But they're afraid. They're afraid of hearing what they, they want to hear, whatever, right? How do I, and this is what this program's about, how do I structure my communication with them so that I motivate and influence their decision making in the direction that will serve them? Okay. How do we get them to go to the doctor? Okay. So there is a way to structure things because what's happening, if you don't understand that they're dealing with something called cognitive dissonance, okay, where they've got two thoughts going on or two agendas going on about the same thing at the same time, and the brain can't handle that. So it picks one, and the one it normally picks is the easier one with the least amount of pain, suffering, frustration, discontent, whatever, okay? So not going to the doctor and facing the fear that I might have something that might be worse than whatever, okay, is just not going is easier than sucking it up and going, okay? So we, we give a formula in there for, and you can do this for getting your everything from your kids to do things to, co-workers to whatever to you you can it's, it's called ninja motivation and influence for a reason okay um the irony is that most people who go through that program use it on themselves which is a cool thing but one of the things i might say to my friend is well you know how, how about if we i mean if you, if you want my help or whatever that's great if not you know why not just look up the number of the doctor and put it in your phone or put on a little card and put it in your wallet or whatever where you need it that way, when you do make the decision, it'll be right there and you'll have saved yourself a step. Okay. It's a step in the right direction, but what it applies is, um, what is it called? Um, well, forget the technical term. It is an action step in the direction of the, of the goal, right? So by having the person take a micro action in that direction, it already starts a loop in the brain, subconsciously and consciously, to move in that direction faster because they've already affirmed. Uh, there's all been all kinds of psychology and, and psychological tests and studies and things done. Uh, they'll, you know, get somebody to do a small action. And when they do that small action, they're more likely to do a bigger action, even if it seems unreasonable, because the person wants congruence. The brain wants, right? As soon as I make a certain action, 
that now becomes a part of who I believe I am. And therefore, I'm more like, so um, read Robert Cialdini's book, Influence. Okay. Um, knowing that these things, and these things are all based on how the human brain is wired because we're social creatures. So reciprocity and all these kind of things, right? So the ninja learns them to use them, but also, see the other part of that eighth gate in the, in the eight gates, Nijino Kyomon, right? The more you know, the more educated you are, the harder it is for him to blow smoke up your ass. The eighth gate is the counter to the sixth gate. Okay? Nunjino Uge, deception and manipulation, influence. Okay? We use that. But if that's all you're studying, guess what? You're not any less susceptible to it than anybody else. But the law of reciprocity, somebody gives me a gift, somebody does something nice for me, I am more likely to do something nice for them or whatever, even if what I'm doing for them is more than what they did for me. Because there's a sense of owing, and because we're social creatures, we don't like to owe. We like to make sure that we return a gift for a gift, that kind of thing, right? So salespeople use this shit all the time, right? Just for calling, we'll give you this gift. Or, you know, the, they, they used to go door-to-door selling uh, vacuum cleaners and stuff, right? Come up to your door and, and you know, for letting us, like, you know, just demonstrate, we'll give you this uh, fire extinguisher or whatever as a gift, uh, you know, just to do it, right? Um, if you accept that gift... Uh, you are, what is it, uh, seven times more likely to buy that $1,200 vacuum cleaner when you could have gotten a $200 one at the store, right? Because they gave you a gift. And now your brain is straining to not sign the papers, okay? Well, how do I not do that? Well, you got two choices. When they hand you the gift, you can hand it back and go fuck off, go to the next door. Or what you could do is say, thank you very much, and in your brain know that it is a sales tool, not a gift. As soon as you position that item in a category as a sales tool and not as a gift, the law of reciprocity never kicks in. Okay? So the study of ninjutsu is not just what 99.8% of people are spending 99.9999999% of their time doing. Okay? How do I avoid fights? I don't get triggered. Okay? If I do get triggered... I've already decided that there, I have a litmus test. There's certain things in my life that are non-negotiable. If you step into that realm, a warning shot has been already placed. And if it hasn't, then I'm already in a bad situation anyway. But there's, there's a handful of things. If you step into that realm, you ignore the warning, and you do it anyway, my actions are bridge burners. Do you know what they are? Bridge burners. That means I won't be apologizing afterwards and we won't be friends either. Okay. There was a bridge burner that I did for a lesson uh, last week for people. Uh, it was a bonus lesson that they got, right? And I made them agree to uh, not share, because it was a Mikio thing, not share that thing. Okay. We're processing the videos, okay? I need to cover my ass with my teachers and the lineage as well, right? Processing the videos. When everybody gets their copy of things, the copy will be coded to them. If that thing gets out in the wild and I find it, 
I simply open it up with the software that I have, and right there it is. It's already tagged. Okay? They're not just going to get a stern talking to. Okay? They will get nothing from me ever again, and I will make sure that every Mikyo teacher that I'm connected with knows that they cannot be trusted with that training. That's a bridge burner. Okay? But most of life is negotiable because I'm a warrior, not a martial artist. That means if we go into this realm, negotiations, bureaucracy, fair play, it's peace, all that kind of stuff has failed. It's not for a belt. It's not for a trophy. It's not for a check. It's not for bragging rights. It's protecting my life or the lives of people that I have chosen So it's it's not the same. Anyway, keeping on, keeping on, right? Um, this is also the idea behind Ninpo Taijutsu and the use of weapons to understand, exploit, and use the strengths of the human body so well that you can make survival and saving yourself against a killer as easy as possible. That's That's the root idea behind it. It's not to conform to some kind of official style. Ninjutsu, it, it doesn't have a style. Now, there are there things that are done based on tactical, strategic, of course, right? But ultimately, you started with Shizen Okamai, you end with Shizen Tai. I get that. But some people, their Shizen Tai is not a reflection of the fact that they transitioned through proper Kamai. Which is not. Um, And unfortunately, far too many people, including instructors compartmentalize and see this art from only one perspective and leave their students completely unprepared for and unskilled at winning in other areas of life. Right? Can you survive? Right? So the secret is we don't get into fights that we can't win. But what are your gauges for that? Right? On one side, what skill sets do you have? What skill sets does he have? Can you read them? Can you read his style? Have you trained to neutralize his advantages? If not, stay on the porch or pull a different weapon. What's your moral and ethical base? What are your fears? Everybody talks a good show. I've mentioned this before, and I don't care what your standing is on it, and I don't care what your belief system was about it. Okay, I have my own. Okay, and it's going to come around again because they're already prepping for it. But the whole COVID thing. Okay, all the people that were talking like they were just all that in a bag of fucking microwave popcorn, and as soon as they were told that you know you could die or kill others unless you put yourself on house arrest. But we're going to let a bunch of other people work in close proximity with each other. And if they work in the kitchen, they don't have to wear a mask, right? Because of whatever. I don't don't care. Okay. And they can deliver stuff to you. They can do all this kind of stuff, right? Um, But, 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 but. 
people were willing to put themselves on basically house arrest. The world shut down. Well, there were certain pockets that didn't. But anyway, okay? So it's easy to say, but I'm going to go back to that first thing that I mentioned. Okay? There's a huge difference between the willingness to fight. I'm going to give this my best shot. I get it, right? And knowing when that's a winnable fight. Does that mean we won't fight if it's not winnable? No. I myself may die. The team may die. But was the goal attained? Right? Well, I, I think I lost James, and I'm not sure if it was a, a technical issue or whatnot, whatnot but um, I'll bring up the, the chat here in just a minute. Uh, in one of the, I think it was the, what, uh, Karate Kid 3, like way back in the original ones when they actually had a storyline. Um, so they were in Okinawa. Remember the contention between uh, Miyagi-san and his childhood friend and Miyagi supposedly stole his girl and whatever. And this guy was, right? And Miyagi won the fight, won the fight, won the fight. Miyagi was like, no, 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 right? So what made him fight? This guy shows up with bulldozers and shit and is just going to raise, not raise, raise, right, the uh, the village. And Miyagi finally concedes, but he says one condition, right? Regardless of who wins and who loses, the village stays. Daniel sounds like, you could die, yeah. But either way, the village is safe. Okay? What is the outcome and will the fighting serve the outcome? But then the question, because I let off with that in the beginning. Sorry, I was pointing my notes. Let off with that in the beginning. Is the agenda self-serving, personal, based on fears and needs and anger, hatred, right? Or is it based on something bigger? The biggest difference between a fighter, soldier, and a warrior is a warrior fights for and defends something and is willing to give up his or her life for something bigger than themselves. Okay, James isn't back. Uh, Let's see, I don't know if I got a message from him. Just see if... I don't say anything. He may be having tech tech issues on his side. So let me bring up the chat quickly, quickly. Uh, let's see. Kuji, uh, very clear explanation. Thank you, Sensei. I appreciate your lessons and your deep understanding. Um, well, thank you, uh, Victor. I appreciate it. But I always feel like I'm still um, diving deeper myself. Uh, Taylor, really great session. Very informative. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Noguchi is a master of focus on a small thing. Dave Fletch says that. Uh, the master of focus. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he also makes things hurt with just a little bit of moves, right? Oguri-sensei was the same way. Oguri-sensei, I remember 
one of the first times I worked with him, he had me in this joint lock and it looked like he was barely doing anything. And like, it wasn't the wrist only that hurt. Like it hurt in my whole like upper torso and to my other arm and whatnot. And I could not move. And it wasn't like a jumping around kind of thing. I thought like I was going to break. And he just had this pickle freaking smile. This was, this was before he had his teeth fixed, right? He had this, this major buck tooth kind of problem going on, right? And he just looked at me and just laughed. He goes, it's terrible, isn't it? It's just, I couldn't even nod, right? And he laughed. And when he let go, I said, yes, terrible is a good word. He goes, I know. It's okay. It's very brutal, right? It's all the soft training that people are getting, right? Um, I got to tell you folks, right? One of the biggest reasons was because, like, all ninjutsu led back to Noda City, Japan, right? He didn't need an international freaking incident, right? He didn't need the art being made to look bad because people didn't know what the hell they were doing and they were hurting themselves and hurting others. And the other side of the coin is a properly executed technique, no matter how it's done, hurts all by itself. If your soft training technique doesn't hurt, not your, there's a difference between trying to hurt your partner and a technique hurting because that's what it's designed to do, right? Then, then, I don't even know where to go with that at the moment. All right, somebody's popped up here. James, Jeff, when is walking away from a fight the right thing to do? When, <laughs> okay, I'll, g- I'll give you a couple of conditions here, all right? I'm just going to throw a couple out because this is, this is deeper than, right? And this, this could be a whole other freaking session, okay? So have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? I don't know. Maybe you're married. Maybe you have a girlfriend. Maybe you have a friend, whatever. That's this way, right? And they present something. Could be boss, could be coworker, whatever. But they present something. In a way that you know, there's no good answer that either will not cause you to just have to do whatever they want or will end up in a three-hour conversation that you don't have time for because you're under a deadline for something else or you just don't want to play. If the answer is yes, I don't play those. Okay? I don't get involved in those things. Okay, When somebody positions something and manipulates it to trigger a fight, they get no ref- response from me. Yeah, but what if they start yelling and screaming? Well, then they look like an idiot because it requires at least two people to fight. And if you got one person yelling and screaming, because this is a manipulation that some people use, they'll yell and scream at you in public to get attention, they think, on you. Look at what a bad person you are, because they're yelling these things really, really loud so other people hear it. You did, you said, you are, whatever, right? If you don't respond, and maybe you don't walk away, maybe you just stand there and just look at them like, And walking away is not 
See, walking away is not always a physical action either. Okay, But they think that, see, and if you engage, now you get a fight. Okay, now you got people looking and whatever. Okay, and they might take stock in what the other person said or whatever. But if you're just standing there, you're trying to calm them down, or you're just looking at them like, what, what is your problem? Okay. Other people are going to, most people are going to look at them like, isn't there a better place for this? What the hell is wrong with you? You sound like a maniac. Okay. But walking away is not always a good idea either. Again, there's lots of skills that are necessary for this because if I turn my back on the wrong personality type, I may get punched in the head or that may incite a physical attack where one was a possibility. Okay. So how do I disengage while keeping my attention on them? Okay. How do I neutralize, which is why in our uh, strategic self-defense model for both training and action, right, in the de-escalation phases, okay, one of them, one of the de-escalation phases is distraction. Okay. So I had a guy one time, we had a, we had a sign out in front of our, our dojo offering a, a free month, right, with sign up. They got, you know, the sign up for three months, they got four, whatever, right? Um, I, there might have been a time where we offered the, like a full free month or whatever, but that's not, that's a recipe for disaster because people just come in to get free training and then they just leave, right? Um, I got to keep the lights on for serious students. So anyway, so um, but anyway, this guy came in and he was acting a little bit weird, right? And so uh, just off the cuff in the in the conversation, I said, you know, so um, um. So I just, you know, um, I, I need to make sure that uh, students are, uh, you know, mentally and physically capable of taking classes and whatnot. So you're not being treated for, by a doctor for like spinal issues, brain issues, uh, you know, brittle bone uh, things, seizures, whatever. Um, or you're not seeing, you know, a, a, a counselor or anything like that for for anything. Right. And he was very forthright. Oh, yeah, well, I go to counseling and stuff and said, well, uh, you know, you don't have to tell me what it is, but if it's in the realm of schizophrenia or whatever, then uh, I'm going to need a letter from your doctor saying that participation in martial arts is not going to be a risk to you or to anybody else. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. I can do that. Um, so great, you know, get that for me and then call and you can um, schedule the, the appointment. Okay, great. Okay. Within 10 minutes, the guy was back in the front door. He had come bursting in. I had a class in progress and was just screaming, I want my fucking classes. He just went went nuts, right? So I looked at one of the seniors and I said, can you cover this? I appreciate it, right? And so I walked to the front desk. He was adjacent to it. We had this big L-shaped front desk. And I went behind it, right, which now created a barrier for him. It also created a way for him to feel more safe. And um, I said, look, you, you need to calm down. You need to, you know, this is obviously a problem bigger than you alluded to, right? This is not helping your case, right? So I need a letter from your doctor saying that this, you know, whatever, right? And then it switched over into, I don't need these fucking classes anyway, and kicked all your asses. 
And so he's doing his thing. And I just looked at him. I said, whoa, whoa, stop, 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 stop. Can I say something just once? Yeah, what? Um, if you can cook all of our asses, why do you want to train here? We obviously can't teach you anything. Uh, uh. So, you know, maybe we're not the best place for you. You probably find somebody else because um, obviously you can kick our asses. So we're, we're not the place. Yeah, yeah. And he left and never came back. Okay. So try not to think in dualistic terms of either I'm going to fight or I'm going to walk away. I tend to think in terms of neutralizing the situation and restoring peace. So that's why we have general awareness, situational awareness, escaping to safety, safety, two de-escalation phases. One is distraction, one is dissuasion. Yes, we have a physical self-defense phase, right? If I can make it through all those, right, and, and, get things neutralized before it goes to physical because physical is the greatest chance for something to go wrong. Right. The, another big reason is I don't know enough about this guy. Right. And my spider senses are tingling and I don't know that he doesn't have a hidden weapon or a hidden ally. And this isn't just going to be a fist fight. Right. The people I don't get in discussions with are ones who can't not think of high school or bar fight type fist fights. Can you imagine how much easier it is to handle those things when your training is wrapped around um, defending against and surviving against killers? How, how more likely would you be to walk away from something if, I mean, because in reality, if you're getting into a fight with a stranger, other than this guy's angry and his fists are up and, he, you know, you're, you're both going to duke it out. No, your perception is you're just going to duke it out. Okay. There's a whole bunch of things you don't know about this person. And if you're getting in fights with people that you know on a regular basis, I suggest that you fucking move. Because that's that's violation of right livelihood. But I'm not telling you how to live. Anyway, so uh, there's a whole bunch of things I don't know about him. I don't know how much experience he has. I don't know how far he's willing to go. I don't know if he just got out of prison and he's not going back. I, dude, no. I don't know how many allies he has in the area. Mm -mm. I don't know his associations. Okay. I could win today and I could have an entire fucking mob or gang hunting down me and my family tomorrow. You can be the baddest guy on the block and be crying like a baby because they shot your mom in the face. So when not an easy answer, not James is not an easy answer. Sorry. Okay. But that's why I covered this, right? The, the point is that there's a lot of control and a lot of uh, knowledge and, and soft skills that are involved. There's a lot of variables. It's not as simple as, when do I walk away? When I realize that I'm operating emotionally and not and not cold and professionally, right? Because I'm going to make decisions. It's kind of like a drunk. You're going to make decisions and you're not going to be in the kind of control that you think you are. Okay? If I'm being led by fear, if I'm being led by desire, 
in the Gyoko school, uh, there are these mudra that are supposed to precede all the kata, kata. We typically don't do them. I save those for upper level people and whatnot. But one of them is removing yourself from the equation, right? That I'm, I'm operating for universal justice. Um, there's, there's another one that you do that has to do with, um, recognizing universal justice. The law of nature. If I do the right things, right. But again, remember this stuff that we're all talking about and, and we're all trying to learn came from a time when people knew that if they engaged in this battle, there was a very high likely that they were not going home. See, we live in a very different time. We live in, in an even different time now where people can be aggressive and attack behind a, 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 a social media handle. Never give any thought that somebody might fucking track them down and show up at their damn front door. Okay? When they make these comments on and they post them on videos and things like that, right? Not me. I don't have those thoughts. The thoughts I have is, man, I hope you don't post that on the wrong freaking channel. For the wrong, for the wrong person who has either has or has friends who have the skill sets to backtrack that IP address or the time living in their mom's basement, eating Cheetos and sucking down Coke. And they've got time to backtrack that VPN. Or you don't know don't know what their job is either. And maybe maybe they work in one of those little freaking offices in no name three letter groups that they can just push a couple of keystrokes and backtrack. See, it's not it's it's not an easy answer. But when is walking away from a fight the, the right thing to do? When it's not necessary. But only you can decide what's necessary. But see, that's why we do all this personal development work, which is uh, not wearing the nin, right? Did, did my oh my thing went away? Huh? Let me bring up my design again. Is it there? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Is that it? Nope. That is not. That's. Friday. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's up here in the upper uh, left-hand corner, our NIN symbol, right? That bottom of the NIN, right, is one half of our training, personal development stuff. The top part, which represents the edge of a blade, right, that's your martial stuff. The bottom stuff is all the stuff for navigating life. It's all the skills that nobody wants to do because, you know, it doesn't make, so it doesn't make us feel all warm and fuzzy like we're the baddest motherfucker on the block. Excuse my language, but anyway. So, uh, anybody else? We need to wrap this up. We are we're almost at two and a half hours in. What is wrong with you people? Anyway, uh, let's see. See if I missed any. Dun, 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 dun. Jimmy's on. Come on. Do 
Raven Kuji, very clear. I think I got them all. All right, guys. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So uh, I'm going on vacation here on Thursday. There will not be a Kuden next Monday because I can't be on. I can't do it. I'll be in. Uh, I'll be uh, traveling. But uh, James will uh, make sure that uh, we do a. Uh, like a flashback or something to an older one. So you'll still have access to something. Um, it's just, I'll be traveling. I apologize. Um, sometimes you just need time off. Uh, and then uh, next week we start up, for those of you who are uh, already registered for the first seven steps on the path of a Buddha course, that starts on Thursday the 14th. And um, tomorrow we're opening the doors back up again. Unfortunately, three of the... Um, Three of the bonuses that we included in um, are gone, but, you know, we're going to open them back up again. We still have, I think I can take about two dozen because I had, there, there's bonuses in there that have to do with like one-on-one coaching calls, stuff like that. So I have to limit access. And right now we have half a dozen signed up. So I think I have like six, six more slots um, for anybody that wants to jump into that. So we'll get the information back out. And uh, with the vacation, uh, I actually decided that um, uh, James can run some of this stuff while I'm gone. So uh, I'm gonna I'm putting up a. Uh, it's too late to do a Labor Day sale, and I'm not a big fan of the the holiday anyway. Um, but um, for lots of different reasons. But um, what I'm gonna I'm just call the Dashian's vacation sale. <laughs> so we'll send out an email or three that has. Uh, access to uh, some programs that we're going to run at a 50% discount. And if you take uh, two, there's a discount. If you take three, take the whole damn thing. There's a huge, huge discount to it. Um, if it's something that's of interest to you, great. If not, I'm not a Utah salesman. Um, you know, it's always your choice, right? You know, you know, I hope you know uh, what your goals are other than just collecting freaking techniques and, and jumping from program to program. But you know what your end goal is in mind, as in what kind of skills you have, want to have, the kind of person you want to be, the kind of abilities you want to possess, those kind of things, not, oh, I just want to learn everything. Um, well, good luck, right, because I'm still working on it. Right? Hatsumi Sensei was still working on it and probably still is from his wheelchair. Okay, So there's no end to this, right? Anyway, um, that's it. That's all I got. Um, Hopefully this was of value, and um, if, uh, if you have any suggestions for upcoming uh, topics or anything like that, uh, shoot us an email. You can shoot one over at warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com and uh, just let us know, or on one of the, uh, one of the uh, platforms that you guys are on. Uh, we don't get a chance to get to the audio-only ones that often, but if you're on uh, Facebook or uh Kuden or is it my page or is it on? Uh, I think it's my page. So my personal profile, this is live on the Kuden page. This is live on Twitter at Kage36, K-A-G-E 36, uh, and uh, YouTube at Jeffrey Miller. What is it over there? Jeffrey, I don't know. Look up Warrior Concepts, Jeffrey Miller. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, you know, that way I can, I can, run some of these things on topics that are of interest to you. All right. That's it. I'm going to call it a day. I'll talk to everybody again soon. Be safe, train hard, and I will see you again next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio 
Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.